You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Tonight it's all about the Christmas dinner, from what to crack open in the morning, starter suggestions, how to be prepared, what to drink with the dinner, to buying and cooking your turkey and ham and how to make the perfect gravy. If you've any Christmas news or recipes that you'd like to share with the listeners, please do get in touch. You can email me, s.noonan at live.ie, or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, short for organisation. It's the third Tuesday in December, and that means that resident wine expert Ron Forrestal is in the studio. So let's find out what he recommends for Christmas Day. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ron, you're here tonight and we're going to look at wines for Christmas Day. Yes. Uh, yes, I brought a selection. I thought Christmas isn't like any other time of the year, so we pushed the boat out slightly and we've we've gone for um, up a few runs on the ladder. So we've we've got a, a Prosecco to start, uh, a beautiful Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, an Italian Repasso and dessert wine for afterwards. Lovely. Well, let's start with the, the bubbles because it's always nice to crack open a bottle of bubbles it first is. thing in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. And it works very well. Um, what I've taken today, now we carry uh, four Proseccos and all and a couple of other sparklings from different places. But I've I've, I've chosen the, the top end one today which is Le Marsa Prosecco just one Prosecco of the year um, in the Nuffla Awards um, beautiful product costing over 20 euros a bottle now so it is that bit more expensive but uh, honestly it's really worth it it's a fantastic product full of really fine bubble uh, works best with nothing in it, um, it it's, it's too nice for that to be put in Either, uh, to turn it into a Bellini yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Um, okay. Maybe a raspberry or something is perfect, but other than that, I wouldn't put anything else into it. And served really cold. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, Prosecco is Italian. Cava mm-hmm. is Spanish. Yes. Champagne is French. Is Champagne is from Champagne in France. Okay. So they're all sparkling they're all wines. all sparkling. And there's not necessarily any difference in the quality of them. It's just each country has their own name for it. Is that... Well, the processes are, are similar. Um, the, there's a couple of different types of Prosecco. Uh, there's two levels of Prosecco. There's a frizzante, which you'll find one. It either has a screw-off cap or it has a string over a cork. You'll see them in the shops. Uh, that's much cheaper um, because the duty from the government is half the price on it and the product itself is cheaper as well. Um, it's very nice. It, it has bubble. It tends to die off pretty quickly after it's opened. Uh, then you have the champagne corked, which is the, the yeast fermented real deal champagne style Prosecco. Uh, it's a much more complicated process. Uh, it's more expensive for that reason. Um, it's produced in the heavy bottle, you know, with the big dimple in the bottom, which you'll know that, that when you pick it up. And um, that's, that's exactly the same as champagne, same process. Now, the grapes are different, so they're going to be slightly different in flavor. The Prosecco tends to be a slight bit more fruity and a bit more sweeter than champagne. It tends to be very dry and biscuity, almost like. Cava in Spain is, is similar, more similar to champagne. It tends to be drier. And then there's fantastic sparklings from South Africa um, using exactly the same grapes as champagne use, which is Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, which are excellent. Uh, Argentinian, uh, Australian, New Zealand. The Australian New Zealands tend to be fairly expensive. They tend to be getting close to champagne prices. Um, but they're all very good. Prosecco is the best value. It's the most commonly found one. It's the one you're going to see most of in shops or even with us. You're going to have three or four options in Prosecco. And people, whenever they think about champagne, it's probably Moet and Chandon yes, and yeah. Veuve Clicquot or Cristal that come to mind. It is. Now, and they're fantastic. Uh, they're quite expensive. You're talking about a bottle of uh, Clicquot costing close to 50 euros. Uh, Moe 45 um, whereas like really top end Prosecco's 20 or 22 is the top end you're going to pay you're going to buy ones for 12, 13, 14 euros as well but that kind of uh, and I think that's because the thing about Prosecco is that <clears throat> if you have a couple of people around you're going to need more than one bottle <laughs> Um, because it, it's a thing you get through very very quickly um, so it's it's the kind of thing you're going to need a couple of bottles of um, if you're going to have it on Christmas morning, probably. So that's why that's why I thought of that. Whereas champagne would be lovely, but it's just that bit um, price sensitive for people. Um, and like this, in my opinion, it's nice to have a nice, nice sparkling. I would, I'd spend more on the wines with dinner after that than I, than I would on the initial sparkling. 
and you said serve it really cold. Any tips whenever it comes to opening it? getting the cork out of it. Yeah, it's just be careful and make sure it's cold. The reason corks pop out is because it's not cold. Um, so don't put it in the freezer at all because it'll blow the cork out on its own uh, and all the Prosecco in the freezer. Um, so it will. that's that, that's happened to me a couple of times. Uh, so the, yes, so basically to, there's, a, there's a little strip on the top that you pull off. There's a, there's a, um, a wire mesh on top to hold the cork in place. You, you screw that off. The key then is to hold the cork in your hand or in a cloth in your hand very, very uh, um, stiffly if you can. And then turn the bottle in opposed to turning the cork. Okay, and you would tilt the bottle. Yes, okay. away so from anybody. Tilt the bottle and, and twist yeah. the bottle. Okay, twist that's the bottle. A good tip. And try and avoid the big pops, mainly because you could lose some of the prosecco that's in it after the pops. Have a glass to hand, just in case. <laughs> Absolutely. And after that, then, so we're moving on to the Christmas dinner, and you've a white and a red to go with yes. the Christmas dinner. Do you feel that if it's turkey that people are having that a white goes better than a red? Have you any view on that? Oh well, I think I think reds work particularly well for turkeys because it's not so much just the turkey it's everything else that goes with the turkey that's that's quite big flavoured and, and full bodied so you can kind of get away with a red um, and I think a red is nice because you have that you know where you're sitting around things are taken a bit slower than normal so you have that opportunity to to enjoy a glass of red getting towards the end of your meal even if you're having dessert or skipping dessert or whatever it may be so I think it's a perfect opportunity on a day like that to drink red and people in, in looking at the figures now, uh, over 50% of people prefer red. So they're going to want a glass of red at some stage during their dinner, even if it is turkey that they're having. It definitely has got more popular. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Particularly in the winter. The summer, obviously, the, the whites will take over again because they're cold. But in the winter, definitely the red. And tell us about this red you've brought in tonight. Well, yeah, the red is, is a Valpolicella Rapasso. It's an Italian. Um... It's from Giuseppe Campagnola. It's a very traditional, old-style product with a very new packaging on it. Uh, Repasso means that they actually uh, take the grapes out twice, which means that they they take the juice out of the grapes, let them ferment slightly, and then take try and get as much juice again out of them as they can. So they repeat the process that they started. But it's a very f- ripe, real, almost like Christmas cakey fruit flavour in it. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's the kind of one you sit down and relax with. Like a bottle will easily work between five or six people because it, uh, you don't need any glass would be perfect on a day like that. It sounds like this is what you'll be serving up. Yeah, absolutely. Day. That's If I was to pick one, I'd have a couple of Italians that, that, I'd, that I'd pick because they don't tend to be that heavy. They don't tend to be like Shiraz or Cabernet Shiraz or any of those tend to be very heavy products to have on a day like that. I you're drinking during the day. But this is, is it's not light now by any means, but it's just that bit more delicate. How long before you're going to drink it do you recommand that it's opened? Do you, do you feel oh, it should be left least to breathe? Hour. At least yeah. an hour. At least an hour. Just open it up and let it sit in the bottle. Yes. On the sideboard. Yeah, as close to you as possible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, just it, it helps. It, it's, you know, it's going to be, the vintage is going to be this 2012. It's going to be a couple of years at least in the bottle. So it needs a bit of time to, 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 uh, Develop. Um, now, that will work in the glass as well. If you can pour it into a glass and leave it in the glass and not drink it, it's perfect as well for a while, but that doesn't work very well. So so do you feel that the older a bottle of wine is, the longer it needs to breathe just to realise its full body and flavour? Absolutely. Uh, and particularly if you're drinking something that's pretty old, like if you're drinking something that's uh, like a Bordeaux that's 2000 or 2004, those kind of Bordeaux, they need at least an hour or two. It's a shame because you should check just for your own uh, um benefit take a taste out of the bottle when it opens initially when you've opened it the first time taste it then leave it for a couple of hours and go back and taste it before you start drinking it again you'll see the difference okay and how much is that a bottle costs you around 16 euros a bottle okay so not too bad no not at all no no, no I don't mean that expensive there's a huge difference a couple of euros makes a massive difference mm. you know just the difference between 8 euros and 10 euros is just huge absolutely huge and then the, the jump between 12, 14, 16 obviously you're, you're paying for the but you'll know these kind of products you know from the bottle the bottle is heavy the packaging is very they put they put money into everything because they want you to to feel like it's worth it when you go to that kind of cost they want to make sure that you feel that you've uh, got everything that you should and then the white bottle that you have is that a Sauvignon Blanc? it is Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand it's called Pear Tree from Marlborough New Zealand 
um, they work particularly well because they work very well with smoked salmon or which is, tends to be a general kind of uh, starter maybe on Christmas Day but lovely and fresh um, acidic nice and clean uh, perfect for that kind of dinner even to carry on with uh, with turkey right through main course they work very well and they're lovely that's a particularly nice one and how long should you chill it for? How cold should it be? Oh, cold, yeah. Sauvignon Blanc should always be served cold. Okay. Yeah, like, you'd want to be, they say about six or seven degrees, is, is the, but at least that. You'd want to be five, maybe, if you could. And to keep it cold while you're drinking it is the thing as well. Like, not just to leave it sitting on the table if you can. Put it into an ice bucket if you have, or if you have a cooler, a thermal cooler that holds them, the temperature, or put it back into the fridge. Have you seen these new yolks that you put into the bottle? It's nearly like a big ice stick, but it's not ice. It doesn't melt into it. Mm. What do you think about those? Yeah, I don't know. I, I very much wonder, because they're reusable, obviously. Yes. Um, so it's what happens to them when they're being reused that, that I, I have this. I've seen these ice cubes. You know, you can get the ice cubes as well. They're not ice cubes. They're for wine. Yes. So that you can drop them into it. And, and, if and it's they not, don't melt, Yeah, obviously. people use them in, you know, in holiday homes and they don't yeah. have the facility to hold ice or that kind of thing. And then you just wonder about the washing of them, and if they're in what dishwashers, and they could be—I I don't know—I've never, I've never gone to the. Uh, it doesn't appeal to me, obviously. <laughs> no, but I've, I've put one in the freezer. My wife will testament testify to it a lot that it works fine as long as you look after it. And, so. and then, oh, how much is the pear tree? About fourteen euros. Okay. And it's a screw top as well, which is absolutely. very handy. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. think that's very handy. And then finally, you have a lovely Ned. It's a dessert wine. Yes, uh, from New Zealand, um, from a winery called the Ned in uh, in Marlborough, New Zealand. They produce a Sauvignon Blanc as well, which is lovely in the Pinot Noir. Uh, but this is their late harvest uh, um, Sauvignon Blanc. It's a Sauvignon Blanc basically left out that extra three or four weeks uh, on the vine, which means it, it almost whizzled like an appearance. So where they would have got... Uh, they got a bottle of wine out of they got two bottles of wine out of a vine generally in this case they wouldn't get a, a half bottle of wine out of eight vines um, their grapes would be so the juice would be so scarce and left in the grapes so what happens is the juice becomes really powerful and sweet um, and that's how they get this um, refined kind of sugar in the grape juice itself and you end up with this golden um, beautiful um, dessert wine it's fantastic uh, people don't try it enough and it's not that expensive and it lasts this is the thing about it because the sugar content is quite high in it so that'll last open for a week or so in the fridge no problem at all do you serve that cold? you do not too cold now like 8 or 9 degrees would be perfect it's not meant to be really cold because you won't taste it enough if it's cold and in terms of portion size then is it a normal gla- glass Gla- wine glass size or is it more like a sherry glass size it's the, the standard measure for it is a schooner sherry glass which is going to double the size of a sherry glass generally about a third of a glass of your normal glass of wine that's where it should serve in a, for dessert wine but that's enough you won't drink any more than that of it now it's not because it's, it's syrupy it's sticky it's, 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 uh, it's designed to go with, uh, with sweets desserts and uh, fresh fruit and that kind of thing but it works really really well and it's the perfect day to do it because you're not going to do that on a regular basis so this is the day where you sit around you're not going anywhere else you're not driving anywhere so this is the day that you try out things that you may not necessarily do before so it goes perfect with the Christmas pudding or the sherry trifle absolutely. whatever yeah. you have there absolutely okay and how much is it a bottle about 15 euros okay. for a half bottle now okay. is that a half bottle a half that you have bottle. there so it doesn't there's not 75 cl in that the same as there would be in a normal no, wine no it's half that 375 okay yep. okay so just to summarise then you have the Italian Prosecco there to start yeah La Marza Prosecco and it's 20 euros a bottle Yes, then the pear tree Sauvignon Blanc to New Zealand, uh, white, uh, which is about 14 euros a bottle. Then the Valpolicella Rapasso, the red, um, about 16 euros. And then the, the Ned dessert wine, which is 15. And that's the, the drinks for the Christmas dinner, so not... Wouldn't that be nice? Absolutely. So thanks very much for coming in to, <laughs> no to tell us about that. And you might put them up on the Facebook page and yeah, then the absolutely. listeners will have them. And have a lovely Christmas. Thanks very much, Sharon. We'll talk again in the new year. With the help of God. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Thanks to Ron for coming in this evening and I look forward to trying some of his suggestions on Christmas Day. Still to come tonight, butchers John Griffin and Roy McMahon have turkey and ham advice and chef Tom Flavin has a recipe for a great gravy. But next, it's over to the phone to find out what Kenmare Foodie, a.k.a. Karen Coakley, suggests when it comes to starters and being prepared. 
Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Karen Coakley is on the line. Good evening, Karen. Good evening, Sharon. Karen, you have some great advice for listeners now for Christmas Day, and you're going to start off with some easy starter ideas. Yeah, Sharon. For me, Christmas Day, obviously, it's all about family and it's about toys. And while I do love cooking, I don't like to be stressed out on Christmas Day. And I'm a big believer in, you know, let's say the starter. Keep that simple because there is so much else to go. I mean, we've stuffed to the gills with turkey and potatoes and stuffing and everything. So I never get the idea of like a big, heavy sit-down starter. So what I find works really well for us, I mean, there's a six of us and we always have, let's say, my mom and dad. So what I do is I just do some tapas, get some really, really good parma ham, some really nice chorizo. You could get some really good local artisan cheeses. And if possible, you know, go to your local market because coming up to Christmas, there's a lot of places putting on artisan markets. And then you just arrange those out in your plate and you can have some olives, get some tapenade or make your own black olive tapenade, some crackers, um, some bruschetta, something really, really simple. And what we do is I just get a big platter I arrange it all and we all stand around and we hold our glasses of champagne and we eat these, you know, kind of like nibbles while we're having our champagne. And to me, that's perfect, you know, and then you sit down and you have your dinner and you're not stuffed when you're facing into your turkey. So it's nearly like you have canapes before, but they're starter type of canapes. It's almost like canapes. Yeah. I mean, I have other years, what I have done as well is I've done like a light lobster salad, basically, where you just get like a nice glass. I try to use the nice martini glasses or, you know, the cocktail glasses and just your finely shredded lettuce. And what I have done, and it has worked quite well, is little have those lobsters. I think they're six ninety nine for it. There's not a lot of meat in them, but, you know, for a light starter. And what you could do if you wanted to, you know, with the whole keeping of it being relaxed and, you know, not sitting down, you could put those into little jars, you know, those little yogurt jars. I've done that as well. For New Year, actually, I've done that, where you get, you know, keep those little yogurt pots, you know, the glass pots that yogurt come in, clean those out, and then you put in your finely shredded lettuce in the bottom and your sliced lobster and then make up your Mary Rose sauce for top. And that looks quite good, too. Now, you mentioned the martini glasses there, but I know you have a mo- another much nicer use for those. I do. One of my favourites is um, Cosmopolitan's. So I have a recipe on my blog for Cosmopolitans. Um, and they're, again, they're simple to make. You know, sometimes there's a big mystery to a lot of these things. And then when you set your mind to doing it, find the recipe and do it. It's like much easier. And basically, this is an Eva Maguire recipe. Um, the measurements are on the blog. I don't have the measurements here with me now, but it's just vodka, Cointreau or triple sec. Now, I use triple sec because we bring it back from France. So we get it very cheap. But also the Cointreau is very strong, whereas the triple sec is lighter in alcohol. So it takes a lot of potency out of the cosmopolitan and freshly squeezed lime juice and fresh cranberry juice. And you put all these into your shaker, put in loads of ice, shake it up and pour it into your martini glasses and off you go. Lovely. And do you have one of those whenever you get up first thing on Christmas Day morning? Morning. Absolutely. It helps me cook the turkey. (laughs) Now, talking about cooking the turkey, you like to prepare a lot of the dishes in advance. I do, because again, and this is something I have done for years, and a few of my very good friends, you know, over the years, I've said, guys, you know, this is what you do. And a few of them have started to do it and stuck religiously with it throughout the years. And I think for me, it was, you know, when the kids were younger, listening to, as everybody does on the radio, to all the chefs giving all their tips and advice and that, and listening especially to Brenda Costigan, actually be one that would stick in my mind, you know, years ago and um, so what I do is I get as much prepped in advance I cook my red cabbage maybe the week beforehand put it into you know a freezer bag flatten it out store it in the freezer take it out Christmas Eve let it defrost in the fridge and off you go heat in the microwave and you know keep it warm in the oven Um, if I'm doing mashed carrot and parsnip the same thing and trust me people are sceptical but this does work they all hold really well I think people have this idea that, you know, it all has to be fresh and it all has to be perfect. And if you freeze it, it won't be, but it is. It does, does work. So if I'm doing mashed carton parsnip, I'll do the same thing. I'll have that cooked beforehand in the freezer bags and in the, in the, um, in the freezer, take it out Christmas Eve and defrost. My sausage meat stuffing, the same. My mother-in-law does it and it's actually her recipe I use all the time. And if I didn't have it, I'd be shot, but I'll make that the week beforehand into the freezer bag and in you go and defrost it. The also, let's say, the cranberry sauce. I used to always buy cranberry sauce, but now I've improved and getting better, so I make my own cranberry sauce. And again, that's really, really simple to do. 
but it is so worth it. You will never again buy a jar of cranberry sauce once you make your own. And it's as simple as combining cranberries, port, orange juice and zest and sugar. And you simmer all these for about 25 minutes, let it cool and put it into your jars. And there is nothing like your own cranberry sauce. And is that frozen cranberries that you use for that? Fresh cranberries. Okay, where do yeah. you source those? I just get those in my local supermarket. I know Super Value here in Khmer, they always have fresh cranberries coming up to Christmas. And I'm actually, you know, kind of looking out for them at the moment. And I think what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to, because I love cranberry sauce so much, even with chicken throughout the year, you know. So I think this year I'm just going to make a load of cranberry sauce and freeze it if I can. I'm not sure how it'll rock up to do. It'll be fine. I mean, you can freeze jam. So I'm going to try and freeze it for the year round. And just see how it works out. You can yeah. keep us posted about that. Yeah. Another thing I do, because we love croquettes, potato croquettes. So potato croquettes are always a part of our Christmas dinner. So the week beforehand, make up your mashed potato, shape them into like croquette shapes or balls, dip them in flour, egg and breadcrumbs, well seasoning the flour, well seasoning the breadcrumbs. And again, into the freezer, take them out Christmas Eve and off you go. It's like, it's like a freezer dinner on Christmas Day, but it does work. I mean, if I'm doing asparagus or something like that, which my husband loves, obviously I won't prep that in advance. I'll griddle that on the day or sugar snaps um, you can make the gravy the day beforehand I mean they're the tips that top chefs are giving out you know Jamie Oliver will say you know get your, your gravy ready you know the day beforehand another great tip and this is Brenda Costigan years ago I even get my roast potatoes ready the day beforehand so you peel your roast potatoes you parboil them let them cool then dip them in melted butter and then sit them on your baking tray cover them with either baking parchment or a kitchen towel and then the following day turn your oven up to the hottest so on Christmas Eve you're parboiling them and you're doing all of this Christmas morning when your turkey is out turn your oven up to the hottest season your potatoes with salt and pepper they're already on the baking tray in your fridge and just put it into the oven and it's I think the challenge for a lot of people is freezer space and fridge space. Yeah. You know, once you've that turkey in there and the ham in there, there's, you know, depending on the size of your fridge, you have to be very strategic about how you position everything. Well, you do. And I think the thing is then kind of, I suppose, look at your space and look at what works for you. I mean, I'm, you know, you don't have to do the whole shebang. Like I said, okay, you know, I'll have red cabbage. I'll have my grilled asparagus because we love that in my sugar snaps this year so it'll be the red cabbage I'll be freezing it'll be the potato croquettes and the um, sausage meat stuffing and if I make up bread stuffing actually I would nearly get that into the freezer too tell me what tell me what you do with the red cabbage how do you cook it yeah I vary the recipe every year but it's it's usually a very simple one where you have your sweat off your your red cabbage with your red onion and I think I put in usually some apple, some red wine vinegar, some sugar, maybe some allspice or some cinnamon. Those real kind of like lovely Christmassy flavours. That would be what I would do with that. And just bake it in the oven then I think for about an hour down very low. Yeah, that sounds nice now. I'd be a bit of a red cabbage fan, but I, love I we don't have it very often in our house. I love it. And then my favourite dessert would be pavlova. And again, you can make the meringue in advance. So Christmas morning, all you have to do is whip up the cream and put on your fruit. And what's beautiful on pavlova is if you um, scoop out the inside of passion fruit. I love passion fruit. And just even that over the pavlova with cream is beautiful. And again, a number of those items people might think are quite hard to, to get. But like the cranberries, they're more readily available now than Everything they would have been. So readily available, absolutely. I mean, passion fruit, there was a time when they were exotic and they're not really anymore. I know little sell them here in Khmer and um, Super Value do too. There's something that you can get all year round. Pomegranates are in season, I think, at the moment. I'll be shot if I've got that wrong. And pomegranates are beautiful as well. Yeah, the seeds are lovely in salad and the juice is lovely are, to make up yeah, a nice salad dressing. Salad. And then I think for us, lemon meringue pie. I made a lemon meringue pie the other day and it was absolutely divine. It was um, a Ballymaloo recipe. J.R. Royale is the the uh, pastry chef down there and it was his recipe and it was just the tangiest, most beautiful um, lemon meringue pie. So I'll be posting that to my blog too and I think that's going to be on our our dessert menu on Christmas Day. And before you go now, you have an event that's taking place in Bally CD. You, you've come across something that's happening in Bally CD. Is that the Bally CD Garden Centre in Tralee? Bally CD Garden, Garden Centre on the way into Tralee and um, 
I stopped off there today and just a lovely cafe. It's on the way into Trelita's Garden Centre in a fabulous meadow and burns shop. I don't know if many of the listeners have been there, but it's definitely one, again, it's worth taking a trip to and Meadows and Burn anyway is always worth going to. There's a lovely menu, beautiful food. The prices are great. And again, like Yummy Market Cafe that I discussed last week, delighted to see a big, huge um, kids' play area inside there. So what they're doing in the run-up to Christmas, which is a lovely idea, I've never heard of it before, they're doing a breakfast with Santa every Saturday and Sunday. Now, that's starting on December the 6th. It's 10 euro per child, and they're saying, enjoy sharing the magic of breakfast with Santa. So the bookings for that are 066 and there might be more information on their website, www.ballycd.ie. But that, to me, sounds like a lovely one. Okay, great. And your own blog reminds the listeners how they can find... It's kenmarefoodies.com, and I will have my recipe for my soft meat stuffing up in the blog. Brilliant. Listen, Karen, thanks for talking to us tonight. And we're going to talk to you very quickly next week about a couple of things that are happening in Kerry just before Christmas. Perfect. We'll talk to them. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Chef Wade Murphy of 1826 Adair and my top tip for Christmas is be prepared. Do as much as you can in advance, even the day before. Peel your Brussels sprouts, peel your vegetables, leave them soaking in water, peel your potatoes. If you're like my mother who did three types of potatoes for Christmas day, you can get them all ready the day before and just start cooking them in the morning. So make it a stress-free Christmas and be prepared. to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, Ron Forrestal was here with his monthly wine recommendations and just before the break, Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley had some great advice to make Christmas Day as relaxing as possible even if you are the one in charge of all the cooking. Never fear if you've missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous 2014 shows and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show and there's dashes between each word there. For most people, the turkey takes centre stage when it comes to the Christmas dinner. So when I was at the opening of John Griffin's new butcher shop in Tralee recently, I spoke to John and I asked him a few turkey-centric questions. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. John Griffin Butcher in Listowel and in Tralee also if a customer comes in to you now and they're looking for a turkey what sort of turkeys do you have available? Well we've uh, lots of turkeys available we we tend to go for the the middle to upper market because uh, the Christmas uh, dinner in my eyes is the most important dinner of the year and uh, we like to set high standards for, for our customers with our products our, our turkeys we like to pick the, the best that we can source uh, with some good contacts for turkeys. Um, in my opinion, the, the turkeys that I would be going for for my own dinner would be uh, farm turkeys or free-range turkeys. I wouldn't be going for the necessarily the, the mass production turkey uh, that you'll pick up uh, maybe at half price or uh, two for the price of one or whatever. Um, it's down to people's personal taste, I guess. If, if, if you're passionate about your food, and you want to have a serious good Christmas dinner, my advice would be uh, to go to your local butcher, uh, ask him for a, a farm turkey or a free-range turkey, uh, ask him, uh, ask him uh, lots of questions. I mean, he'll, he'll bone it for you if you want. He, he'll separate the brown meat from the white meat. Um, he'll basically be... He, he'll deliver what you would what you would like for your for your own the most important dinner of the year so traceability is a huge issue whenever it comes to any sort of meat and including poultry so turkeys so where do you source your turkeys from you'd be very particular about where you would get them we would yeah um obviously uh 
uh, turkey is uh, our bread and butter for Christmas. So we like to source the best possible uh, turkeys. Uh, traceability is huge. Uh, we need to know are they farm turkeys, are they free range turkeys. And uh, in our case, we source our turkeys for Christmas from Crow's Farm in Tipperary and uh, also Kildare. And, and if somebody comes in and they say to you, okay, they've no idea what size of a turkey to get, there's themselves and the partner, the granny, the granddad, and a couple of kids, so like six mouths to feed, what size of a turkey should they be going for? Uh, for, uh, for six people, we'll say you're talking roughly, uh, maybe uh, depending on whether you like cold meat the following day or that evening, but if you just want a, a nice Christmas dinner with plenty for six people, you're talking... Uh, somewhere in the region of a, of, a, of a 10 to 12 pound turkey. And then for cooking, how long do you need to allow for cooking? For cooking, uh, we say 25 minutes to a pound and 25 minutes over. And the resting process is very important whenever it comes out of the, yes. the oven. A lot resting of people don't take that into account. Yeah, yeah. The resting is very important, like any uh, beef or, or lamb or turkey. Once the product is cooked, obviously it needs time to settle. How should they store it when they get it home from the butchers? Well, uh, when they get home from the butchers, the most important thing is to fridge it as soon as possible because with the, with the last couple of Christmases, the weather has become very mild and make sure that when they purchase the turkey that they don't leave it sitting in the boot of their car for too long. Um, get it home, get, go to the butcher as your last port of call, um, pick up your turkey and your bits and bobs and uh, go straight home and fridge it immediately. And then once it's cooked and they've served it up for Christmas dinner, how quickly do they need it to get it back into the fridge then? Uh, ideally, they should get it back pretty soon because uh, like all uh, houses uh, at Christmas time, they're fairly cosy, the heat is on. So it's important to uh, act responsible when it comes to food, um, wrap it up and put it back into the fridge as soon as possible. And I suppose it's never too early to put the order in? Oh God, no. I mean, if you want quality product, it's always safer to order and we've started taking orders since last Wednesday and if you want a quality product for Christmas go to your local butcher and he will give you a quality bird that you'll be very happy with come Christmas, come Christmas Day. John Griffin of John Griffin's Butchers in Listowel and Tralee, thanks for talking to me. Cheers, Sharon. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. My name is Andrew Rudd and I'm the owner and proprietor and chef of Medley in Drury Street in Dublin. I've also recently um, written my first cookbook, Entertaining with Andrew Rudd. My top tips for Christmas are to prepare well in advance. Uh, get your ham cooked the day before Christmas and a great way of doing that is to slice it up once it's cold, wrap it in tinfoil, back into the fridge and then it takes about 45 minutes at 160 degrees to warm it back up again. Also get the turkey into the oven first thing in the morning because a big turkey weighing about six seven kilos is going to take maybe three to four hours get that done very very early i'd also suggest getting all your vegetables prepped the day before christmas is about enjoying it with your friends and family and take the stress out of the kitchen and just prep in advance You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me talking to butcher John Griffin about all things turkey and before that I had a lovely chat with Ken Mayer Foodie, a.k.a. Karen Coakley, who had some great advice about being prepared for the day, as well as one or two starters. Now I'm delighted to welcome another butcher to the show. This time it's Newcastle West butcher Roy McMahon, who's going to talk about the ham. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Roy, thanks for coming in this evening. No problem. And we're going to have a chat about ham. Yes. And I would have heard a lot about the Limerick ham before I actually came to Limerick. So there's a bit of a history there. Yeah, there's a bit of a history with the, the Limerick ham, all right. Um, you can go all the way back as far as the 1850s on. Um, Limerick was well known for its bacon production. Um, many of the households kept pigs. 
usually fed on domestic scraps as well as root crops. Um, thousands of pigs were slaughtered and processed weekly in the Limerick bacon factories, who in their height of their production were the most consumed pork products in the British Isles. Um, in the 19th century, Limerick hams were the choice cut on Queen Victoria's plate uh, for her dinner, for her Christmas dinner. And um, O'Mara's bacon factory were even exporting as far away as Russia and Romania in the late 1800s. And the four great bacon factories in Limerick were Matterson's, Shaw's, O'Mara's and Dinny's. And I think it says a lot that you have three of them still fairly big in operation today. And um, I think for the, you know, it says an awful lot about the the Limerick ham there. So it goes back. It goes back a long, long way. It it even shocked me, you know, when I went into looking at it, like, you know, as to how far back it goes and how it came around. A lot of just the local people were supplying the pigs. They were rearing the pigs out the back of the house. And as they went out out beyond the county, then they were getting in. They were getting a bit bigger in, 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 in numbers, so they were. And it is something that features on a lot of people's Christmas yes. dinner. Yes, yes. So are there different types of hams available? If somebody comes into you, do they just ask for a Christmas ham or what do we have to ask? No, normally for? normally they look for a green or a smoked ham. That's normally the, the two hams. Um, but after that, then we go by numbers. Have they got... Do they need a lot? Have they got a big crowd, a small crowd? Do they only want it for one day? You know, do they need it for a few days? Whatever they want, we can we can organise. You know, it's it's all about um, just knowing the size that you want. Knowing the size. Because obviously the ham is, in our house now, whenever I was growing up in, in the north, the ham would have been made on Christmas Eve and there would have been sandwiches made for oh, yeah. after midnight mass yeah, yeah. and then it would have been on the, the plate again on Christmas Day it's it. and then on and Boxing Day Unboxing as we call Day it or well, yeah, yeah. Day it yeah. would have featured again That's so it, yeah. there was a lot to get out of it but it keeps very well it keeps very well does um, if, if it's uh, what I always say about it is, is kind of take off what you need after him get it into the fridge as soon as you can and just kind of keep working that way and it lasts as you you could easily get five six days out of it no problem and when you put it in the fridge it's very important not to wrap it in something that's going to sweat it no just uh, i would i would just just put it in as is just put it in as is i wouldn't i wouldn't put it into nothing just put it in as is if you want to just uh, put a bit of a cloth over it or something like that a tea towel like that a clean tea towel and that would keep it no problem at all okay no problem well, you mentioned size there. So say we have a family of six, there's like a couple of kids, yeah, a couple of adults, the parents and maybe the grandparents. So say four adults and a couple of kids there. Yes. What size of ham would you be advising them You'd be to looking get? at, um, for four and two or six, you'd be looking at a, a nice, say seven, seven pound, about a half a ham would be would be a suffice with that. And so what would. what do you advise in terms of preparation? How should they get it ready to go into the oven? What do they need to do? They to should um, first of all get it up to room temperature. Um, that's that's important with cooking a ham. If you're uh, cooking anything really, get it up to room temperature first before you go cooking. Um, then you can uh, you you depending on whether you're going to go into the oven with it or whether you're going to boil it. If you're going to boil it, it's twenty minutes a pound and 20 minutes over that's what we say so you know you can you can put it in for that length of time the butcher will tell you exactly how what the weight of it and once you get it in you you leave it by the way and then when the when that's finished you can um put it into the oven but before you put it into the oven get a nice glaze on it and the glaze i have is is a is a very very short and sweet it's marmalade ground ginger and whole cloves and mix up uh, four spoons of, mar- of marmalade and a half a teaspoon of ground ginger and stick it in the microwave for 10 seconds and um, stick in all your cloves and give it a good glaze of, of, of what comes out of the microwave. So do you put the cloves into the ham? Yeah, stick them, them in as stick them in as far as you can. Okay. And as many as you can get into it. The more, the more, the merrier. And then rub the glaze over it. Yes, yes, yes. So it'll be 
it'll work out the finest then sort of. and that's the way you do it yourself that's personally. the way we would always do it yeah that's the way we do it and like that we do it Christmas Eve and we give it a good a good routine on Christmas Eve and the same on Christmas Day and, and Boxing Day and is it a green ham or a smoked ham that you would buy yourself for us it's always a green ham always a green ham now when you say green it's not green in colour is it's it it's not green in colour no it's a mild cured ham there's mild cured and they're smoked and um the, it's it's really 50-50 for people come Christmas. Some people that come into me all year, they'll be getting green bacon, and come Christmas, they'll get a smoked ham. You know, it's just uh, an acquired taste, and and people 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 change up and people go for it for the for the Christmas. You know. And where do you source the meat from? Because traceability is a huge issue. Huge thing, yeah. Um, I always get my hams from um, from Billy Kassan. He's in the stall. He's based in the stall, and. Um, he always gives out great quality hems and I've dealt with him from the word go and he's he's top notch now I must say. The, he usually so he always usually sources them from Columbia or Staunton's. They're two very, very good uh, factories for for the for, for Irish hems are there. What part of a pig does a ham come from? Yeah, it's um the part of the pig is off the leg, the leg part of it. It's um there's obviously two fine big hams. They usually come in around 20 pounds each in weight. And that's the piece that they use for, for making hams. And would would many people buy them with the bone still on, yes. on the bone off the, the bone as an option? Some people like it with the bone. Some people want the bone off. Um, Flavour-wise, some people are convinced that the bone brings flavour. Myself, I think leave the bone in. You know, leave the bone in and you can you can uh, get nice flavour from that. Um, if you want to bone and roll it, you can make up for a bit, a bit of glaze in the middle of it and, and that can, that can flavour it up as well for you. Boning and rolling, just explain that to me. You take the bone out of yeah, it? Yeah, you debone it. You can um, take the bone out and literally you're tying it up then you're 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 it's 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 a skill job all right now in fairness now not everyone could go at it to get it out right and to get the shape right afterwards it's it's um it's a a masterful job as they call it another masterful job can be the cutting of it or the carving of yes. it do you go with the grain do you go against the grain no, i always try with the grain i always try and get it with the grain i think it's it, what 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 catches a lot of people is the, is the letting it sit afterwards if you if you can let it sit and get the get the cutting right get the cutting right it it cuts lovely then you get a lovely a lovely slice afterwards so but when you go against the grain it, you'll get a different type of a cut so you're saying let it rest in oh, the same time, way yeah. that you'd let the turkey yeah. rest let it rest let it rest for easily a half an hour if you yeah, can like, yeah okay that's that's another big one that's with everything that's with every kind of a roast really of, of, of any sort would you put a tea towel and some tin foil over it just to just a bit of tin foil over it at that stage just to let it let it um, let it sit for a while and let, let the muscles relax again and in terms of leftovers then is there any special recipes that you have for people yeah, to um, use I, I, I go down the road of trying to change it up a bit um, uh, turkey and ham volivant turkey and ham pies um, try a bit of a curry with it you know just people don't want the same thing for the three days or four days that it's around so if you could change it up a bit it it, it it goes on well so they don't they don't get sick of it fairly quick so they don't and is it um, fair to say that people can't put an order in too soon oh no no you can stick in the order because at this stage we have suppliers on to us now to know what kind of numbers do we want you know and it, it, it's never too soon to put in the order so let certainly. you know as soon as possible as soon as as they say as soon as and people can contact you they go into the shop there up in Darwood in that's Newcastle right. West that's right yeah you're there most of the time yourself we're there all, all the time. time all of the time <laughs> so we are you work long hours now you're open from 8 in the morning until till 7 in the evening okay. till 7 in the evening so it is it's tough going, but... Okay. Well, you have a know. very busy period coming up and now, very, so... And a very understanding wife as well, as I say. <laughs> we appreciate you taking the time to come in tonight to share your, your knowledge there about the ham, and uh, we wish you a happy Christmas. And thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. Cheers. Chin-chin. Salut. Schleinter.
Thanks again to Roy for coming in. And tonight we've looked at starters, the turkey, the ham and what wines work well with them. But of course, a turkey and ham dinner would not be complete without some gravy. I had the pleasure of visiting the Limerick Strand Hotel recently and when I was there I met executive chef Tom Flavin. So I decided to ask Tom if he had a recipe that he could share with us the listeners. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Well, I'm not sure if it's the perfect gravy, but it's a gravy that you, a really nice gravy you can do at home, and it's not that labour intensive. Maybe the day before you prepare it, you prepare your stock for the gravy. Uh, to do that, you take the giblets, the neck, the wing tips from the bird, whether it's turkey, duck, chicken, whatever you're having on the day, um, roast them in the oven until they're golden brown. You want a nice colour on them because the colour will add flavour to the stock. Um, a mirepoix is what we call a, a mixture of vegetables, like you'll have some chopped carrot. Um, leek, celery, a little bit of onion. Um, add a little bit of garlic to that as well. Roast them in a little bit of tomato puree on a thick bottom pan. Make sure that you're getting a good colour on the veg and um, caramelise it so that all the flavours will sweeten. Then you add cold water to the, to, to the pot with the bones. Just ensure you add the water cold to the cold bones because it brings out the flavour of the bones. If you add hot water at this stage, it will seal the bones and none of the flavour will come out. Then you bring that to the boil and you simmer it slowly, skimming any um, fats that will come to the top. Uh, simmer it for about two hours and then strain it. You don't want to boil it for too long because, especially with turkey stock, you'll get some bitter aftertaste from the turkey bones if you boil them for too long. So two hours is absolute maximum. Strain your stock and then reduce it to a, a, a stock consistency. So when you refrigerate it, then it should be kind of jellified. Then the next day, you sweat off some shallot, but peel some shallots and garlic, a little bit of herb, and sweat it in a little bit of butter or oil in a small pan. <clears throat> Deglaze it with red wine or port. If you want it a little bit sweeter, you'll add a bit of port or Madeira to it. Um, add the juices from the pan after roasting your turkey, and then you add the stock to it and reduce it to a sauce consistency, which could take, depending on, you're not boiling it now because you, you don't want the impurities to boil into the sauce again. You're just going to simmer it for anything up to two hours, to be honest. Season it at the end because if you have too much salt in the beginning and you reduce the content of the, of the sauce, it could be salty. So reduce it to a sauce consistency, season it and, and serve it as it is. That's an easy way of doing it. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Sadly, we're nearly out of time, but just before I go, it has been well reported in recent weeks that the ISPCC Childline Service is in crisis and it urgently needs to raise funds to keep the phone service open 24-7. There's lots of wonderful ways to support the cause and one listener got in touch to say that she and all her work colleagues will be wearing their festive jumpers on December the 23rd and she asked me to alert listeners to this this great way of making money. Just don your jumper, text CHILDLINE to 57911 to make a €4 euro donation, post a pic of yourself in all your glory, wearing your lovely jersey on your social networks along with proof of your donation and ask your friends and family to do the same. Another fundraiser is the ISPCC Hollybeck, which is being supported by Betty Crocker, which is a range of cake, cookie and tray bake mixes. I spoke to Gronya Galvin, who's a brand manager with Betty Crocker, and I asked her a bit more about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Gronya, tell us why Betty Crocker is supporting the ISPCC Hollybeck. Well, it's actually our second year now, Sharon, that we're um, supporting the ISPCC with our holly bake. And I suppose the reason why is, you know, we know the ISPCC just does such a great job out there. And at the moment, there's thousands of um, child line calls that are being missed every day due to lack of funding. So this year with the holly bake, we're really urging people to get out. It's really, really simple to get involved. And we think it's just such a great charity to give back to. So how are you helping the listeners out there to, to do what they need to do? Well, basically, Sharon, whether you're in an office, you're at home, you're in your crash, you know, your group of girls that you're going out for Christmas or meeting up for afternoon tea or whatever it is. Basically, if you go on to the Betty Crocker Ireland Facebook page, and um, there's lots of details on how you can get involved. If you're in an office, you can contact us and we'll send out a kit um, full of different cookie mixes or devil's food cake or red velvet cakes, different cakes, icings and everything like that 
that you can host your own bake sale in your office. And then if you're at home and you want to do a smaller kind of version of a bake sale um, with your friends or your own family or your neighbours or whatever you'd like to do, um, you can just contact us through um, the Facebook page and we will send you out um, coupons to get your free Betty Crocker mixes in your local supermarket. And you'll give all the details from the ISPCC as to how you can actually give the money that you collected back into them and into their great cause. So basically you're giving out free product for people to make up their cakes, their tray bags, their cookies and take take them wherever and sell them and the proceeds from that they they give back to the ISPCC. Absolutely, Sharon. Yeah, and like you know, um, you can add your own twist to the cakes if you want to. And you know, especially our Betty cakes, they bake perfectly every time so whether you're a seasoned baker or a real amateur and kind of not really good in the kitchen they will bake perfectly no matter what all you should do is add some oil some eggs some water and you know and get your betty cocker cake mix out there put it into the oven and you know within 20-25 minutes you'll have the perfect cake literally it's flawless it can't go wrong well at this time of the year i'm sure you have some festive cakes there so tell us a, a few examples of what people could expect to find in the kit well, absolutely. So, you know, we've kind of, I suppose, put a festive swing on the old traditional um, Christmas cake. And if you go onto our Facebook page, there's loads of different ideas as how you can actually use our Betty like devil's food cake and how you can decorate it to make it look like um, a Christmas cake. We also have adult versions where you could, you know, add in a little bit of brandy into the devil's food cake or add in some, you know, c- cooled coffee instead of the um, water so that you get an, an adult kind of flavoured um chocolate cake there's also different ideas as to how you could make a vanilla cake look more festive for so simply just covering it in coconut and different things like that you can also add you know cranberries into our lemon drizzle different things like that just to put a little bit of a, fa- a festive slant on the cakes without having to go on to the full hog of you know the christmas cake which let's face it it takes weeks to make a christmas cake so you know we all don't have that much time um to get into the kitchen and make it well it's it's there until the end of December, the fundraiser, so there's still a few days or a few weeks left for people to actually get involved. Yes, so on our Betty Crocker Ireland Facebook page, all the details are there and there's still plenty of time to get involved. You know, even if you're just meeting your friends, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, you know, when you're meeting one of your friends' houses or whatever, you're just baking a couple of cupcakes and getting people just to put in a euro or two or whatever they can afford. And, you know, it's every little bit that's going to help um, Charline this Christmas and, you know, it's really really important I think to kind of give back to charity as well at this time where you know we spend a lot of money on our friends and family and I think it's also really important to give a little bit to charity as well. Grania thanks so much for telling me about it this evening. No problem Sharon thank you so much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Sadly, that's all we have time for this evening. I hope the show has been useful if you're the one in charge of the Christmas dinner. And if you're not, sure, you might consider taking the reins next year with all this great advice that we've been dispensing tonight. Thanks to all of the guests who came on to the show. Ron Forrestal, Karen Coakley, John Griffin, Roy McMahon, Gronya Galvin and Tom Flavin. Next week, Rachel Allen will be telling me about her Christmas plans with 59 others at Ballymaloo. Ken Mayor Foodie Karen Coakley will be discussing an award-winning sausage and black pudding. And I'll be talking to the Park Hotel Ken Mayor's Francis Brennan of At Your Service fame. Until then, enjoy the last weekend of Christmas shopping and preparations. And as always, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!